0: All right, we're jacked. Welcome to <laughs> Jack Theology with uh Dr. Kevin Young and I'm Dr. Matt Murphy. Welcome. Thank you for joining us yet again as we kind of discuss uh different jacked theologies we see uh being discussed in the social media world. Uh this week yeah we we've got, got to- a good one today. Yeah, this week we want to talk about Christian nationalism. Uh, before we press record, we were talking how we could probably spend months every week talking about this there's a lot to unpack but
1: yeah where do you even begin on this yeah. on this topic um it's I, i'm gonna let you begin because <laughs> i i have absolutely no idea where 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 to even begin on this
0: yeah i mean that's a good question where do we begin i i think anytime i i guess let's let's look at the charitable side of how kind of how this begins and um samuel perry in his book he wrote taking back um taking america back for god is the title of it and i recommend it to anyone who's doing any sort of uh study or thinking about christian nationalism Um, once you put your faith in in god you have a faith journey um you're naturally hopefully that's going to influence how you live in the world and it's naturally going to uh, insert itself into politics. And so he he actually makes an argument that I, I think is compelling that we're all kind of Christian nationalists at some level uh, just because of our faith, um, how it impacts the way we look at the world. So if you take that, like, yes, Christian nationalism maybe starts from a healthy place like this idea, but we I think we want to look at the Jack side of it when it becomes unhealthy. Our professor that we uh, learned under talked about, When he he would discuss this, he he talked about how your actual religion, your actual faith uh, should never come subservient to your civil religion, uh, to your cultural uh, politics and those sorts of things. And so I think what we want to talk about today is when your Christian nationalism, your Christian faith uh, comes subservient to, um, you know, the American way um, or the national politics scene. And I think we're seeing that today. I think. I mean you see uh, throughout history but so we want to focus in on today um, it started
1: uh, the
0: uh was it Kristen Dumez um, wrote a book called Jesus and John Wayne Jesus
1: and John Wayne made a lot of
0: and she kind of gives a history of when that the you know the your the Christians Spe- specifically, the evangelical Christians, uh, their faith came subservient to American politics, specifically the Re- Republican Party. And she talks about how there was a strategy. Um, initially, uh, they kind of unified around Jimmy Carter um, because he was a Christian, and Jimmy Carter failed miserably at enacting some of the agenda items they wanted. And so then um, the Republican Party saw an opportunity. And built a coalition with Jerry Falwell and uh, Tim LaHaye and James Dobson uh, to build the religious right. The um, I forget what Falwell called it, um, but the, moral the majority, yes, moral majority. Uh, and that began. And so, with Reagan, it kind of began. Um, which kind subtly. of feels like
1: gas, it kind of feels like gaslighting to you
0: call your group the moral majority, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so we we had, I, I think, uh, the beginnings of it with Reagan and, and slowly over the years, it's become more and more and more and more and more. Um, Tim LaHaye, actually, I, I was reading her book a little bit this morning, actually said, we need a religious TV station um, to put our agenda out. And out of that, those conversations came Fox News, uh, which is fascinating. And... How she did some research and said that uh, journalists uh, who aren't part of the evangelical movement, who aren't maybe necessarily call themselves Christians, can't separate uh, Fox News values from evangelical values. Um, well, so, I don't know that
1: evangelicals can separate Fox yeah. News values from yeah. evangelical values. Yeah. I think, um, and I don't. You know, I don't know that that's Fox News's fault. You know, I. I I, not that there's not any blame, you know, maybe to be shared there, but I think you're, you're right that so much of the integration between what is seen as being biblical values and what is seen as being GOP or Fox news, you know, values, um, ha- has been around for a lot longer than that. Uh, you know, you're right. If you look back to the moral majority, if you look back to some of these other institutions and, and just even churches. I don't know what your church was like growing up, man, but my church was a God and country church. I mean, we, the, 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 the high watermark of the year was 4th of July. I mean, our, our patriotism celebrations, the, the decorations, the fireworks, you know, it was, um, this is God's land and this is God's country. And that implied in our minds, a, a certain very specific way of living that everybody should live under.
0: Yeah, it. Uh, and so essentially, the the politicians, the culture. I mean, I don't. I don't think there was one person who had who was on high trying to do this, but I think the culture has seen that if we get the religious behind us, we can keep our way of life. And so it's about maintaining what was this white. Um, you know, privileged culture. Uh, those of us that have been in America forever, you hear. Um, so, so Samuel Perry summarizes this. I'm going to read a quote from him. Uh, he says Christian nationalism is significant because it, it because it calls us to take America back for God, and it's not primarily about mobilizing the faithful towards religious ends. So he's saying this idea of christian nationalism is not is not taking is really not taking america back from god it's actually returning to what was because everything's changing right it's you know it's not primarily white anymore it's not primarily straight you know to a married couple with three kids at home it's a lot of things are changing in our society and so what they're saying is is we're is we're we have political ends we're mobilizing people for that um so 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 we found that that they appeal to the religious heritage of the united states to work towards privileging christianity in the public sphere and they are focused on encouraging greater religious devotion um, and so he, he says they're seeking to retain or gain power in the public sphere whether political social religious and he, he argues Christian nationalism is therefore ultimately about privilege it co-opts Christian language iconography in order to cloak particular political or social ends in moral or religious symbolism and so this gives it legitimacy and so we see that all the time with our politicians as they bring in bible verses they bring in the cross you know to to justify uh what they're doing um and a christian nationalism a christian nationalist who's bought this will jump in hook line and sinker um into it i remember anecdotally um so dumez uh argues that um a lot of this is kind of a masculine view of things that's the other thing is we want to we want to recover and maintain our masculine power gender roles um and so i can remember i went to and she she tells how she she talks about how you know the the promise keepers i don't know if you ever went to the promise keeper
1: thing and i did not but it was a (laughs) yeah it was a big deal back in the day
0: i uh i went to the national mall with my church um and she describes that how that was kind of the pinnacle of the promise keeper movement and you know they said there was a million of us there, and I remember as a kid—I I forget how old I was—I was a young teen—and and, and I, I remember thinking like, "Yeah, we're going to take this world for God." Like, look at all these men who are coming to to take back uh, this 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 country for Jesus. And and in hindsight, as I thought through what they were telling us to take back, it had nothing to do with the Bible. Uh, <laughs> you know, it was. Uh, Let's let's uh, let's end the porn industry. Let's end the, um, you know, abortion industry. Let's end, uh, you know, gay marriage. Uh, Let's end uh, women uh, leading. Uh, You know, it was anathema that Hillary Clinton might actually become a leader of our country.
1: Yeah, it's just Um, not what God, you know, I think a lot of people would hear that list of things and say, well, what's wrong with those things not being? Uh, not, not being, you know, a part of, of our American experience. And I just, I don't think that that's the question to me. The question to me is what has God called us to do? You know, and when you look at scripture, the uh, amount of time and attention that's given to the national or, or government policies regarding abortion, marriage, pornography etc 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 pale in comparison if there's any at all to the amount of attention given in the bible to care of the poor um, you know the prisoner <laughs> you know the the do good um, those who are blessed in in the beatitudes and yet it's also easy to understand in some ways to me why we are so militant in our ferocious defense of those things, because so much of our language in the church for the last century, maybe longer has been onward Christian soldiers, you know, marching us to war, you know, do the little hand motions with it as a, as a kid in vacation, Bible school, the battle hymn of the Republic, all of our language is about culture wars and, and battles and soldiers for God. And so we see fighting on, on a, National scale as as being our our mission, and I, I fear we're fighting the wrong things. You, you know, I mean, holy wars are rarely, if ever, for holy reasons, and Christian nationalists are in a holy war, and I, I think it's just questionable to me whether the war that they're fighting is for holy reasons or in general for. The reasons Christ said us said for us, you know, to to be putting our time and attention to. I just don't.
0: Well, I yeah, I, think, of, I, I, I got a lot of questions. I think it distracts us from. I mean, it's very legalistic, right? In pornography and abortion, it's it's not the gospel. Those things are not inherent in the gospel. Um, what's inherent in the gospel is equality of women. Equality of sexual ethic
1: yeah, uh, personhood you, you know seeing yeah. other people as children of god as as carrying the image of god
0: racial equality right it's this yeah. is
1: a very white i mean what are we model. fighting about this week we're fighting over the race of a mermaid a uh, a a a, a fictional black character what were we black fighting over last week fictional characters in Lord of the Rings and, and their race. Um, who's the racist in the room? It's probably the one who's fighting over the race of a fictional character. But this is what, you're right. This is what we give our time and attention to. And it's, well. That's it's, what we're it's, it's maddening.
0: It is. That's what we're resisting. And it, you know, it all goes back to money and power and prestige. And so the more we give equality to the different groups that aren't like us, um, the less power we we actually have, and yeah, what well, it's yeah.
1: like—it's a zero-sum, a zero-sum game. There's only so much power and so much control and so much money to go around, and if you have a little, that means yeah. I have—I have less.
0: Yeah. Um, and that's the fight that they're fighting, and it's not it, well—it's a religious one, as our friend Levy would say, but not a Jesus. Uh, jesus would not back this fight um so um you know and the mat you know and it's almost it's it's weird because i was thinking about this this morning is this that i hadn't planned on bringing up this kind of women gender roles but the complementarian almost always is a christian nationalist and a fox news watcher and i i I don't want to say 100 percent because there's probably not anything that's hundred percent, but it's well, seem- yeah, people
1: don't like being categorized, but we tend to fall into categories, you know, like, like and, yeah, that's a great point. I've never thought of that.
0: And, and it seems like uh, is, uh, it, I'd have to do more research on it, but it's, it's a question worth asking and pursuing is like, are we complementarian because of this Christian nationalism in America? Would that even As be
1: a thing for those who don't know? Complementarian is, Um, Those who believe in what, I guess, traditional, you know, gender roles, the the man is the head of the house, and that is, uh, essentially means that he's the head of the woman, and that is not just a traditional view, that is also seen as being a theological view, that God mandated the man to be in charge um, in the home. So that's complementarianism, which I guess patriarchy is god mandated the man be in charge of everything yeah Uh, not just the home but but all areas which comes out of that um yeah it's like chicken and egg right which came first yeah
0: which came first i I, that'd be a, a research project worth pursuing um i think and it seems like based on my my knowledge of theology and movements complementarianism became more popular in the last 100 years or so in america um and so that's interesting um yeah i i think you know we've seen it you know people on the twitter verse get a little crazy with the patriarchy and claim it's biblical um you know there there are to be charitable to be kind there are like complementarians that would never say that a woman should never leave and lead in society, that a woman, they would never say that. But there, there are many rising up within a lot of influence right now that would say that a woman should not have any of those roles um, and calls it Christian.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that you point out something great that not everybody subscribes to the worst form of a theology, you know, that you know, just because somebody's complimentary doesn't necessarily mean that, that they're also this, this, and this, but the difficulty is that if our theologies and our, our treatments of other human beings are not wildly Christ-like or Christ centered, then it, it's, it's, it's a slow walk from something that's just marginally untrue to something that is crazy uh, and, and off the rails untrue. You know, so we said it about christian nationalism right it's it's that not all christian nationalism is 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 wrong in and of itself you know there are things about it um you know that are not certifiably insane and crazy but it's a slow walk you know from from one place well, to the next uh, yeah. which is why it's such a dangerous thing to to dabble in God and country, Christian nationalism, and why it's such a dangerous thing too to, to dabble in complementarianism as a biblical theology.
0: Yeah, and then it, it, it. I agree with that because I, I probably have some friends watching this that are still complementarian, and well, uh, I'm, I'm glad I threw them
1: a bone for you. Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> want you to be painted. I don't want you to be painted a heretic and I know, uh, you know might... if you're a heretic necessarily then yeah. that's fine but unnecessarily let's avoid that. Many
0: of my friends have a good charitable view of it um, but some do not and some who are gaining influence do not. So we want to call that out. Um, and then it leads to talk about the slippery slope and this is the this is where it gets real scary with Christian nationalism today in America is the military aspect, militarism. Um, and so um, Perry says this, he says, um, there's a paradox that holds America as sacred in God's sight while viewing its future as tenuous and bleak. So it valorizes conquests in America's name. Um, and then it creates a, an environment where it justifies the preservation of this with righteous violence, whether it be carried out by police against deserving criminals, by border agents uh, against immigrants, or by citizens or good guys with guns rampaging bad guys with guns. Um, and he goes on about that, but it it lends itself to justifying violence. Yeah. You know. I-
1: our origin story as a people, as a nation is righteous violence, right? You you know, resistance of, uh, physical resistance of, of the oppressor, you know, England, we, we came here, we fought England, you know, our, our second and maybe even more important origin story, the, the war of, um, depending on your view, the war of of northern aggression and states <laughs> rights or or the the civil war yeah. uh you, you know we have we the, the boston tea party um are the stories that we tell are the stories of resistance and violence mm-hmm. and overthrow of power and this has been inculturated indoctrinated into us in our educational systems in our holidays and celebrations in the stories that, that we tell, uh, about our ancestors, our grandfathers and great grandfathers. And, and then we wonder why everything that we don't like becomes a holy war. It's yeah. Because we're, we are a tribal people in that way.
0: I mean, that's great insight. Um, the origin story of America. Um, I was thinking a couple of things, uh, you know right now we have the queen elizabeth who who died and all the pomp and circumstance around that but who's the favorite american royal right uh, harry right why cuz he the resisted rebel. he re- he resisted the 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 authority he's a military guy you know i see constantly I thought right? it was just
1: because he was smashingly handsome <laughs> you're telling me it's it's because he was the rebel huh the, the rebel
0: and he was the military guy. He's the only royal that served in two two tours of duty and shot guns, actually killed people probably. And and so America, he's American. I, I you know and that's,
1: he he lives in America.
0: Yeah, and he moved he, to America,
1: he married to North America. Um, <laughs>
0: he's our he's our prince. Um, but that that summarizes his story. Kind of summarizes the American story. And then we put that on Jesus, right? So. I can remember as a kid, it's my own personal story on this is like I didn't like the fact that Jesus was passive, a pacifist, that Jesus didn't fight. I didn't like he he told Peter to put his sword away. I, I wanted to find where Jesus was like a warrior uh, as we would like the brave heart warrior. Right. Um, and and you just can't find it. And, and they try to 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 put that in in the scriptures at times, but it's not there.
1: It's, yeah, you make a really good point, Matt. And I wonder if that's why part of our affinity is for Paul, is because we can overlay that mindset on our translation of Paul. Because Paul seems to be unlike Jesus, the type of person who he didn't care who you were or, or or what you thought. If in Paul's mind it was wrong, he was gonna he was just gonna say it. Uh, yeah, and Jesus, Jesus style and Paul style are very different. And I I would think that Paul's style probably overlays that mindset a lot better than Jesus style. That's because you're right. I, I, the same thing growing up with Jesus, it just, um, he was a sissy as, as my, as my father and grandfather would have said, you know, he was a, he was a wuss. He he was not, (laughs) he was not a, he was not a man's man. And that was disconcerting. I think in a lot of ways it's not, He's somebody who you want to save you, but not somebody who you want to model yourself after for uh, a, a lot of us.
0: Yeah, Paul, you know, we, we tell the stories a lot about him getting bit by a viper and just shaking it off, whatever, the, the shipwreck. and.
1: That's nah, just a snake. It's only and, a fresh uh,
0: <laughs> You know, and he was a violent man before, right? He was going around killing
1: Christians and.
0: So, oh, that's yeah, that's, fa- that's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Um, I had not thought about that connection. That Paul, Paul's origin story, is not unlike. Is not unlike the stories that that, that we tell uh, about ourselves and our own origins. The, the people we want to be, we want to be that type of person. Yeah.
0: And so you you begin it, it's a it's a real real slippery slope, but I think. Fortunately in America, and I think why we talk about it now and we're scared of this, is like we haven't gotten to the point of, of Russia, right? Um, Russia invaded Ukraine using Christian nationalism. Um,
1: yeah, they were preaching it from the pulpits.
0: Yeah, the, the their pope, I forget what they call their their religious leader in the Orthodox Church, but he... he endorsed it he empowered it said it was of, of God and um and I believe he believes it I don't think Putin was trying to twist his arm I think they've so syncretized their their religious aspect and their nationalism so closely that it, it in their minds I think it is biblical like many of our politicians are starting to do um like you know Marjorie Taylor Green is standing from the mountaintop saying she is a Christian nationalism and Nationalism and believes in this stuff that we're talking about that it's okay that the violence and all of that the ends justify the means and that's a scary scary thing um
1: as a christian to, to see yeah i i think the word syncretism to me just a light bulb went off in my head whenever you said syncretism um which i, I know that's a real technical term but to me, syncretism is just syncing up two things that are opposite and may not should be in sync with each other to where they are in lockstep. That's actually, I think, a military term. Here we go again. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the syncretism of Christianity and Christ with the world for reasons that might be on the surface to our, to our notions a, a good thing um, is still ultimately a, a, a bad thing, you know. You, so you're against abortion, you're against gay marriage, you're against pornography, you're uh, against some of these things. You may be asking yourself, so what is wrong with synchronizing all of these Christian beliefs with the government, so that the government is in lockstep with my faith? And you know, I'm just constantly reminded of that line from Jesus, my kingdom is not of this world. You know, Jesus' example and his words not just caution, but mandate that his kingdom not be put in effect through the systems of this world. And, you know, I think that we have to radically confront the ways in which we do that and what is it within us that drives us to want to make his kingdom um a literal kingdom of this world yeah
0: I think it's it's fear right there's a there there's a fear of laying down our life for others uh, I I've always thought since I started after my first year of being a pastor I had this like oh crap moment this isn't what I thought it was in seminary you know um, and I think mine took a little longer than a year <laughs> But but I really sense that the story, the metaphor, the parable for our country is the rich young ruler, um, where Jesus asked him to, to give everything to follow him. And I think Americans, we have a really hard time giving up everything to follow Jesus because we earned it. It's ours. And then with Christian nationalism, my family earned it. My forefathers, our forefathers earned this. We're not laying it down. Whereas the way of Jesus, the kingdom of Jesus, is to lay it down. And none of what I see in the moral majority, the religious right, the evangelical, political machine, Fox News, is not asking us to lay down our lives for the sake of our our neighbor, which Jesus called us to do.
1: No, I think Uh, we're probably seen by the non-Christian world, especially here in the U.S., as being the most selfish people on the planet. The most selfish and self-centered and self-aggrandizing people on on the planet. I agree with I, that. I don't, I don't think we're I don't think we're viewed how Jesus was viewed. Um, I, I mean, people flocked to see and to hear Jesus, and uh, <laughs> people are flocking away from Christianity, from churches, from from pulpits. Um, I just. The emperor has no clothes. We we are not seeing ourselves, I think, in a in a truthful light.
0: That uh, very true, um, and uh, so Ben Marsh tweeted this this morning.
1: That's Pastor, history- Pastor Ben. I didn't Pastor realize ben. Pastor Ben uh, worked in worked in D.C. So I, I have a whole new level of respect uh-huh. uh, for Ben Marsh's theology because i I recognize that when he talks about things politically um he's he's been in the fire of of dc
0: yeah he uh let me see something yeah he he uh is part of our denomination my denomination actually is he really yeah um he serves a uh in I think a few different roles. I don't know all the roles he serves in, but he is connected with one of our missions in, in Atlanta, Georgia. Um, but he he I liked a tweet that he he had this morning. He said it must be soul-draining exercise to be so wed to partisanship and political outcomes that you have to defend every inch of a particular politician's behavior. Um, and he said it, it applies to both sides of the aisle, which is true. Uh, but when you're a Christian nationalist, um, you make excuses for your behavior, number one, because you justify it, but then you also make excuses for the behavior of those you vote for most dramatically. I think we saw this with Donald Trump. I mean, we, we can't talk about Christian nationalism without bringing him up. Um, if anybody tried to use, uh, Christian ease, Christian people, uh, for his ends it it was donald trump it still is donald trump and yet we had wayne grudem wayne grudem i i probably still have one of his theology books that i
1: haven't thrown out yet yep systematic theology was that
0: yeah like foundational to evangelical theology and faith and and he's saying that donald trump um you know, didn't mean to do those things. It's okay. And and giving us permission morally to, to vote for him.
1: Yeah. Uh, I've, uh, I've actually got that here because, you know, you mentioned Sam Perry earlier. And so after uh, Ben Marsh tweeted that Sam Perry picked it up and retweeted it and then Ben okay. Marsh put this quote in, in regards to, to Trump, where, um, yeah, where Grudem is making the case for Donald Trump. And there's this quote that Ben pulls out of that that says, I'm not sure he, meaning Trump, has ever intentionally affirmed something he knows to be false, which is how I define a lie. And to me, that's the, <laughs> for for a person of Wayne Grudem's theological stature and importance, uh, I, I mean, as you said, most of us in the evangelical tradition have been brought up through Wayne Grudem's. Systematic thinking of theology to define a lie as being something simply that you intentionally, you know, did it's just it doesn't pass the smell test,
0: no, no. Um, yeah, I it's interesting, so, like, so, you know, to
1: say that Donald Trump never lied, in people, <laughs> are people. The basis of that,
0: and it's interesting. Like I've talked a lot about this with people, and and um, it, the, the justifications over and over again for him is incredible. Um, everyone I I have met that has worked around Donald Trump has nothing nice to say about the man. Um, he obviously has. He's very selfishly motivated. I don't know that he has – I don't think he's smart enough to have some agenda to, like, create a um, some kind of new government. Obviously, he tried with nine or January 6th and failed miserably. Um, I think he just tries to cover his butt and save his butt. He sees a problem, and he's good at coming up with solutions. And so when he has ultimate authority you know, and, and power – he uses the christian nationalism to help him get out of trouble um and so i just can't believe that through my upbringing that we were we were told and taught to vote for like the christian man the moral man that's why bill clinton and hillary were evil um and so
1: well, we were taught that because the that would always be the republican man yeah, The right? and, and Christian then, man was always going to be a Republican man, and they didn't need to say the second half of that because th- th- it was all straight party voting and it, Christians voting for Christians um, until a whole bunch of get, people saw behind the curtain.
0: Well, what Donald Trump did was expose what's really happening, that Christian nationalism is alive and well, because if it was about biblical values, Jesus, Donald Trump would have never got the evangelical vote. But he yeah, well, and I around. think
1: you, you said it so well earlier, you know, whenever, you know, you were saying that it, it becomes something um, toxic, it becomes something crazy, you know, it went from being Christian nationalism, Christians living out their faith on a national stage to being nationalistic Christianity, where, you know, the, the civil religion, the nationalism became the more important thing, and Christ- the Christianity became subservient. And Donald Trump just blew the lid off of that mindset and that living because people had to choose a choice. They, they had to make a a conscious choice between supporting somebody who was not Republican or, or just not supporting Donald Trump because he clearly was not in any way, shape, or form living out Christian values. Uh, so you had to make a choice between your Christianity and your nationalism and a large swath of people,
0: well, he got more... Found
1: of- a, found a way, like Wayne Grudem, to support yeah. nationalism. It all depends on what the meaning of is, is. Well, it all depends on what the meaning of lie is, Wayne Grudem <laughs> said. And he massaged yeah. his Christianity enough to continue to support his nationalism.
0: Yeah. And we... Yeah. I And we had more evangelicals vote for Donald Trump than ever before.
1: And they support it. And evangelicals, if you look at the data, support him even more today than they did two years ago, than they did four years ago, than they did six years ago. The evangelicals what it's it's some insane number. Sixty percent, sixty five percent, maybe it's eighty it is it's up there, yeah. The vast majority. Um and so, I mean, I think you know, we can say that evangelicalism has ceased to primarily be a theological or, or a spiritual movement, and evangelicalism has become primarily, may not, maybe not wholly. I'll, I'll walk that back some, but I think we can say that evangelicalism has primarily become a a partisan movement, or at least a platform movement, where these are the things that we believe. And it doesn't necessarily matter where that might conflict with the words of Jesus, or the Bible, or or the ethics or morality of of an individual, we're we're a platform movement more than we yeah, are. Yeah.
0: Um, it's all about maintaining and holding on to our power because let's be honest, the average evangelical has had all the power in this country from its inception. Um, you know the white the white suburban man. Um, they're the ones who founded this country. Um, I can, my dad, I I'm proud of it too. In some sense, I, we can trace our family back to, to coming through Jamestown and on the Mayflower. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of pride in, in maintaining that, that power. That's um, funny. Cause
1: I can trace mine back to Pocahontas. So I'm not really a fan of yours at the moment, <laughs> what you did to my people. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And it's awful. I mean, that's a whole other thing is like, the violence yeah, well,
1: let's save that let's save that combo for another edit I, I didn't mean to derail the conversation well
0: i i
1: wanted to like
0: go to like the violence of maintaining this power like justifying violence that obviously we serve a non-violent god who laid down his life to end violence and but
1: not if you believe in penal substitutionary atonement yeah wow well. Maybe that's next week's. Um, <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe we should just stick a pin in that. But they yeah, part that. of our theologies. Oftentimes, hinge on that violence. God taking out his anger and his wrath on another human being, and so you know, rightly or well, wrongly, I rightly or wrongly, I think we have to admit that the, as you said, it's completely true that that you know the nonviolence of Jesus and and God. And yet, foundationally, we also say in our theologies that God's wrath, that God has wrath, and that that wrath has to be assuaged, and the only way to assuage that is by taking it out on someone or something else.
0: Well, that's true. There, there's this righteous wrath, right? They de- so we're they back de- to this origin wrath. story idea yeah. for the
1: nation, and now for our theologies. It's it is. It's a. It's it's weird to
0: think about like that like God can't control his anger right he has to
1: like <laughs> but we believe that because none of us can it, or none, of our, none of our dads could I don't know
0: no but it's a very uh, Zeus Zeusian is that a word uh, view of God um,
1: how about we just I, say Greek mythology <laughs>
0: yeah it's a, it's uh yeah if you're bad I'm gonna strike you down and I deal with that all the time here. It's very in our culture ingrained in our culture, uh, the penal substitutionary atonement idea, and T. Wright calls it a very pagan view of the gospel, and it's he's not wrong uh, um, that you know pagans their 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 mythology their cultural religion was very much if you if you do something wrong God's going to strike you down, and you have to pay uh God back in certain ways, either by sacrificing a child or a lamb or what have you. Right. And so Jesus entered into all that and ended it. Right. He, he said, this is not what I'm talking about. This is not
1: and the he gospel. Tore, he tore the curtain, you know, in, in the, temple. yeah,
0: like he destroyed that. He said, the guys, this is not it." <laughs> um,
1: is there I- any, is there, is there any better example, you know, that Jesus gave us to, the idea of this, this sacrificial system is done. I will be the last sacrifice yeah. that, that anybody gives for this insanity.
0: And yeah. in a penal substitutionary atonement, like its natural end is, yeah, violence is justified, righteous violence. You, you have to, you have to justify it righteously, but, um, of course it's not righteous violence and we'll kill you too. Um, cause that's righteous. <laughs> um, oh yeah so the violence so how does that play itself out like in everyday life uh, most of us most folks and that are christian nationalists aren't going to pick up a gun and go shoot somebody although yet more and more people are doing that um and so how do we stop the violence what how does that play itself out in like kind of everyday life i mean i see it as a pastor like when i When I say something that goes against Fox News, um, I get people coming after me, right? I get angry, you know, anywhere from angry letters to like people trying to get me fired. Um, Yeah. uh, Hey,
1: I have pronouns in my bio. I get I get it. I got it today. You know, you're you're going to hell. Uh, you are are unredeemed because you put he, him in, in your bio. That's probably bio pronouns are probably another conversation for another day. But I mean, are we hearing ourselves is, is, is my point. Are we really condemning other people to, to hell and in a holy war against somebody simply not because they're transgender or or gay or 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 support those things but simply because they they put pronouns in their bio we're going to say you're a false teacher you're a heretic and you're you're going to hell you're not a brother in Christ you are unredeemed are we going to say that simply for that and the answer the answer for many of us is is yes and so you know i think that this idea of everything that we don't like or everything that is false is now, so there's just so much anger and steam and pressure underneath things that 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 even the, the slightest infraction or the fr- slightest difference of opinion on something, we will go to war over it. We will pick up arms against brother. Um, We, we will pick up keyboards yeah. against brother, you know, but it isn't a far walk from picking up keyboards against brother to picking up literal swords.
0: Well, yeah, that happened in, uh, where was it, Buffalo, where the guy was radicalized by Fox News. Um,
1: yeah, wrote in on the yeah. gun, right? When he, when yeah. he shot up the,
0: the, like he, the grocery there, store. I mean, there's a case in point where he went from a keyboard warrior to actual picking up a weapon. and
1: He was radicalized. I, I mean, yeah. I think a lot of the words that we have used, rightly or wrongly, for other religions and their extremists, we are now seeing radicalization and extremism and you, you know you mentioned Marjorie Taylor Greene and some of these people let's just be honest whether or not you agree with the politics of a lot of these individuals there is intentional weapon weaponizing maybe on both sides that let's just but there is intentionally you know those who are weaponizing whatever they can for control and and power i think and and Christians are drinking it, and this is the danger I think in Christian nationalism is we are drinking radicalization that's not of God and not biblical. we're becoming extremists about things that are unclear at best in scripture. I mean at best it's yeah. it's unclear some of these things that that we're being extremists about pronouns in the Bible come on gonna be extremist about something Choose something that matters. Yeah. Uh, And and we're being weaponized, not, not by the Bible or by Christ or by our theologies. We're, we're being weaponized by our, our, our nationalism and our patriotism and our partisanship and and our platforms. And until Christians, until Christians are willing to say, I, it ends here with me. I, I may not be able to fix it, but it ends here with me. I can't support this. I can't do this. I can't. I can't perpetuate this nonsense, this hate anymore. Until we're willing to turn our swords into the plowshares. Yeah. <laughs> I just. It's. It, it's only going to get worse.
0: Yeah, it's it's a scary time. It's, yeah, it's only getting worse. I think we need people to step up and speak out against it and call call it out when they see it.
1: Um, it's tough, though. It's it's. I mean, as a pastor, I I have the unique luxury of not being in an institutional you know church where people can vote on whether or not they like what I say. So I have the ability to call things out i, I still reap I, there's still recompense for doing it but um yeah i i have an ability to do it in a way that that most people yeah today for doing it
0: this kind of goes with it is um so sometimes i get accused of pastor matt you're too political don't bring politics into the church and I say, well, Jesus brought all sorts of politics into the church. So, um, and in my heart is, whether I'm right or wrong, you can you could disagree with me, uh, but it's to bring Jesus' politics into the church, right? How Jesus called us to live. And so let's have a discussion about that. Let's throw out Republican, let's throw out Democrat, let's throw out the Christian nationalism, and let's actually look at Jesus. But it's funny because before I got here, uh, they used to, every every uh, October they would hand out voting guides, right? And so last October, I last two Octobers, we'll see if I get it on my desk. Somebody has put a stack of these voting guides on my desk.
1: I think they just mail them to every church. <laughs> well, the they, yeah. they find, these voting guides find you when you're a pastor somehow. But, I don't know how. But somehow but they find you.
0: it's always opened on my desk. Uh, somebody
1: wants you to see them.
0: They want me to do it, right? There's nothing more political than that because every candidate on there is a Republican candidate, right? Well, There's you no- know,
1: I, I mean, isn't is this is is the thing? It's not that we have a problem with politics in the church. What we have a problem with is people whose politics are not our politics in the church. My politics in the church are fine. It's your politics, yeah. whoever you are who disagree with me, that I don't want in the church. What <laughs> um I want to hear my opinion, Matt, Pastor, come out of your mouth. That's really what I want. I want you to open your mouth and for my opinion to come out of it.
0: Exactly. Yes. Correct. And if I, if it's not, then I'm too political. Um, to me, that's a red flag, right? If you can't, if you can't hear things that are, are, are anti what you think or believe then are you really growing? You know, if you never hear anything that disagrees with your thought process, are you really growing? In... don't want to grow,
1: Matt. I don't want to grow. Growth means pain and change. Uh, what I want is to, what I want is to be left alone and affirmed in what I think. Yeah. I, I think I, 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 I make light of it, but I, I don't, we don't want to grow, but transformation metamorphosis requires change and, and growth. And, and I think this is this is the inherent problem when the gospel is um present or or ignored the gospel requires it's... there to be growth good good news isn't just a good news that is salvific that's an ascent to an atonement theory but the good news has to also be boots on the ground has to mean change not just in the next life but mean good news in this one in my current predicament.
0: Yeah. I, I don't think, I think we've ignored Jesus. Uh, we talked about this some last week. Um, and I, and, and I'm wondering, uh, talking today, it's like if we, if we've ignored Jesus because we, we do kind of see him as a sissy. Um, let's, let's move on. Yeah. Jesus did the thing.
1: A '70s hippie, you know Jesus Christ he, superstar. He, he, he saved, saved us. A well, long-haired he, white dude, you know.
0: Yeah, he uh, he saved. Yeah, the white dude saved us, and let's move on to Paul. He's the cool guy, um, the tough guy, and
1: you graduate to Paul. Jesus saves you, and then you graduate to Paul's classroom. Yeah, uh, and we,
0: yeah, and you, you miss you miss Paul, right? So Paul, all Paul's doing is expounding upon the life and work of Jesus. And so if you never look at Jesus, you actually can't really, truly hear what Paul's saying. And so then we Americans, evangelical Americans, interpret Paul through our American origin story lens, and then
1: we get what we got. Yeah, we we place Paul in, in American culture rather than his culture, and uh, we interpret Jesus through Paul rather than Paul through Jesus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Which is so backwards, right?
1: Because, oh Well, wow. it is, which is why, which is darn well why our interaction with the nation is so backwards, because our, our theologies have been built backwards. And so because of that, our, our the way we interact in the world, the way we live out our faith is backwards as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think my I my fear is, is that we end up like Russia um that we end up like worse um Nazi Germany um that we end up like what are some others um the Crusades, um, you know, where Christian Christians have completely been subversive so subver- to the cultural mandates and used uh, for those ends, um, and I fear that that's where it's headed, unfortunately. And we're seeing that with some extremists, but they have they're gaining a lot of a lot of power, um, and so it's that's the scary part is before I think these were on, this was on the fringe. Now it's kind of become center stage. So.
1: I agree. I, I see a very hard road ahead for the nation and for the church. I don't, I, I have hope, but I don't have much hope that we avoid as a nation and as a church becoming a cautionary tale for history as to what not to do. Um, I think the only hope that we have is a, is a radical miraculous event that wakes all of us up to what's going on. But if January 6th was not that thing, um, I don't know what will wake us up to the, syncretism between the church and our politics and the danger that that really causes whenever Christian nationalism becomes a nationalistic Christianity like happened in Germany
0: yeah um well it's scary for guys like us right we'll be the first we'll be the first
1: heretics burned
0: yeah They'll come after us first. Well, they already yeah. are. I mean, yeah, they already right. are.
1: Yeah, um, are. Yeah. I got... I'm go sure you... Go take a look at our Twitter feeds, our pay, yeah. Facebook walls, and sit in conversations, you know, of... of I'll have to go find...
0: I wish... I didn't think about that, but yeah. One of the Christian nationalists, he, I think he's a radio host for one of those crazy stations, OAN. I think he, like, retweeted something that I tweeted at him about... Christian Ashley. You remember that? I do and remember I, that. I yeah. had thousands of them coming after me and you were trying to help me, but man, I eventually had to mute that thing. Uh it was it was insane. It was insane. I should have read through that before this. Uh get some there were probably some gold nuggets in there.
1: Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Have we solved this? I don't I don't even know. I don't know,
0: <laughs> but hopefully i know we have folks watching that um hopefully gave some
1: insight to that or maybe yeah feedback feedback is, is great we'd love to hear some or, love to hear some feedback on this and, and yeah, i think this is the thing you know continuing to remain in conversation and, and thinking about things you may not agree with everything i think or or say but I, I think one of the important things to me is the the dehumanization that i see in these conversations and in the church over people who are on the opposite side of the aisle or are on the opposite side of the issue. And I think humanizing people again, is is that really the first step that all of us have to take, you know, even if we disagree firmly and strongly, you know, like a Paul, Paul did not dehumanize others. Uh, and, and certainly Jesus, Jesus didn't. Um, and I think working against the mindset of dehumanizing my opponent is the first step and somehow or other avoiding avoiding world war 3 yeah if it can be avoided
0: yeah that's a good word and that and on that um any fitness updates
1: no just 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 press on right isn't that it just perseverance yeah um you know i am though i i don't even know if if i've told you this or not but i have I've started a certification process to become certified uh, as a oh, as a nice. trainer and a nutritionist. So, yeah, <laughs> it's back to the books for me again, uh, but this time not in theology. So that's gonna be that's gonna be fun.
0: That'll be cool. I've thought about that too. Get just go get my uh, CrossFit cert. I might as well. I know enough at this point. Yeah, you do. Um it's funny because I'm the new guy at this gym and I and I've I've intentionally not really let on of how how long I've been at this thing. Uh and it's just funny listening to coaches coach me. I, I just kind of listen to I've them been CrossFit longer than you've been alive. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then you how might are, not you, want to how are you, sonny. Get off my lawn. You might not <laughs> want to put that much weight on. Oh, uh, okay. You're fine. (laughs) But um, if I
1: want your opinion, kind sir, I will give it to you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I'm still getting my sea legs under me, but I feel I'm getting there. It'll be a couple months probably, but um, I did for the, I, I, I did enjoy the bodybuilding. I went back yesterday. I skipped CrossFit yesterday. I went, back to the meathead gym and uh it was it's enjoyable what you do kevin i do enjoy that i'll probably keep it part of my fitness routine so oh, i man. appreciate balance, you
1: balance is, balance is good
0: yeah i appreciate I can- you encouraging that <laughs> <laughs> now it, it's a little bit more of like a, a time to think right whereas crossfit for an hour you really can only think about the thing you're that you're doing. doing yeah Whereas in the bodybuilding power, you know, weightlifting, it's, you have a lot of time to think, which I think is helpful.
1: So. It's a, it's sacred space, you know, for, for some of us, yeah. it may not be in the gym. It may be mowing a lawn, you know, maybe cooking a meal, but you know, I think we all need sacred sacred space where we can be with ourselves and, and be doing so much of our work and our interaction is online, is on keyboards and telephones and, iPhones and computers, uh, I think that there's something powerful and something important about doing something physical, you know, doing something concrete um, that centers us in a way that may, that may pay off in the way we treat other people. Yeah. Go chop some wood, go mow a lawn, go cook something, bake something, do, do, do something physical.
0: There's your uh, spiritual direction for the day. Yeah, find it. Find an hour a day. hour a day that can help get your mind off of life and center yourself. It's important.
1: For me, it's probably the weights. Yeah, for me, it's letting the weights embarrass me every single day. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right, man. Well, I will see well, you next week. Good time. Thanks
0: for watching, everybody. If you made it this far, share that. Share that video.